Good morning, everybody. On this beautiful spring day, I know it's cloudy, but the sun is coming. And after the rain, it's going to be greener and brighter than it was. I always love after the rain. Yay! And speaking of rain, if you were up last night, late, when the storms rolled in, I don't know if you got to see the wonderful, God's wonderful display of lightning. It was absolutely beautiful. Did you get up and look? <laughs> it was gorgeous. It was just, it was constant. No sound for about an hour. Uh, Adeline, who was still up, <clears throat> said it looked like fireworks. <laughs> but anyway, I'd like to welcome any guests we have this morning. Welcome, welcome. Please fill out the Connect card that's there in front of you, if you would. We'd appreciate that. Um, our giving this morning, as usual, you can go to Cypress Street Church slash give, or you can use the drop box back there, or you can mail it in, however you prefer. Uh, today at 3 o'clock, there will be singing at the guest house in West Monroe. We appreciate that. If you can go and participate in that. Wednesday at 6.30, we'll have our Bible study. We're continuing that uh, with Dana Owens. It's in the fellowship hall. We're really enjoying that. It's a really good Bible study. And uh, a Bible study here in the sanctuary with Pastor Ray. And the youth will meet upstairs. I assume that's where they're meeting. All right. And next Sunday is Mother's Day. We have our 10 o'clock worship service with Pastor Ray. There will be no circles after church next week. Then June 25th, we have our rummage sale for the youth. If you have anything that you'd like to bring, um, if you're like me, I don't like it stacked up at the house. If you want to go ahead and bring it, we can uh, store it in the storage building we have out here. So just get in touch with Kathy or myself some or Charlotte, somebody. <clears throat> and we also have a project list in the lobby. And from what I understand, uh, and I don't know if it's instead of because I haven't looked at it, but it, everybody can look at it and see if there's a project on there that you would like to take on and try to get it done in the next month. Let's get some things spruced up around here, our spring cleaning, if you will. If there's something that you're good at that's not on the list, write it down. Take care of it. Nobody's going to mind, I promise you. So see what you can do to help out. Nothing's too small and nothing's too big. And with that, I would like to say a prayer to get us started this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for our, our church family that's gathered here. Lord, I ask that you be with us. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. Help us to use what we learn. Help us to use what you show us and not just leave it here in this building. Please be with those that can't be here with us today. We thank you for the many, many blessings we have in our lives. We ask all this and we thank you for all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. This being the first Sunday of the month, that means it's happy birthday time. 
Do we have any birthdays and anniversaries in May? Ah, yes, we do. Look on that. Let's go ahead and sing happy birthday. And we'll go ahead. Were there any anniversaries, Brooke? Okay, we'll do that too. stand with us and join us in the song. This is a beautiful song. I will praise him. Hallelujah. ago and it has a beautiful message in it. Let's enjoy the Spirit of God working through us as we think of 10,000 reasons. Sing like never before, oh 
soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness i will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find oh my soul worship his holy Worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing Worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. I worship your holy
seated. Children, it's time for your adventure this morning. Um, for prayer requests, we have a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, for the Sunday Bulletin prayer requests, you can call the church office. Um, for a texted prayer, prayer group request, you can contact Karen Oldham, and her uh, phone number is here on our bulletin. We have several people on our list this morning, people and events and things. Take a look at it, pray over these, take it home with you and pray over it through the week. Um, I also notice here, and it it was a reminder and I'd like to remind everybody else, the IYC, the International Youth Convention is coming up and we need to pray for that and pray for the attendees. And some of us, I don't know how many people got their individual list of individual names of people attending um, be sure to be praying for those people and the convention. Uh, we have Carson Rogers, Christy Morgan, Jerry Howell, Dale Green, Shirley Weems, Jerry Crane, Matt and Nicole Hunt and their family and their move to Louisiana here, Royce and Shirley Lowry, Travelers, the situation in Russia and Ukraine, National Day of Prayer is Thursday, the IYC convention and attendees, like I said, Keith and Patricia, Jamie Best family, Jean Freeman, our country, and leaders. And I know there are many, many more on our hearts. Uh, let us go to prayer. Father, we ask that you be with each and every one of these names, each and every one of these situations, and each and every one of the ones that are on our hearts, our minds, or that will be later, you know about the details of every single one of these. And we trust you and know that you're in the middle of it. And we just ask that you help us remember to come to you and trust in you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for all the things that you do and your blessings. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. You've got the floor. Thank you, Barbara. It's good to see each of you in the house of the Lord today. And like uh, Barbara said earlier, it's a little cloudy out there, but I bet you by the time we get out, the sun will be shining. What you want to bet? And it'll get on up in the 80s. I think uh, spring didn't spring, summer did. You know, it's just going to go from one to the other. Uh, I also want to say on behalf of, uh, turn me down just a little bit, brother. I want to say on behalf of the church leaders, a uh, lot going on here at the church. We met, uh, a bunch of us met leadership team this week and trying to get all the work that's done to get Matt and Nicole here. As you know, they've got a house, theirs is sold and 30 days to get here. They're looking to come probably uh, the very last uh, around Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so get your 
back braces, your hover rounds, uh, however, <laughs> however we're going to do, we'll try to help unload them. Uh, uh, maybe uh, that round Memorial Day time or something like that. Uh, so that's that's coming up real real quick. So uh, just appreciate everybody and all the work, a lot of work that's gone into it. And man, this whole week was really really busy. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, working for that. I've been sharing uh, for I think seven weeks now. This is the seventh uh, message on the title of Meet the Cast and what. I kind of felt led to do was to talk about all the characters or most all the characters uh, of the drama of the century of the, uh, the millennium of forever and that is of course about the time when Jesus came and uh, gave his life and was resurrected so that we might have eternal life so it's the story of that amazing passion of Christ and we're down to the end of this and next week of course is Mother's Day and so we'll at least talk about mothers a little bit and uh, start a different direction but today I want to talk about the topic when God doesn't fit my mold and really what we're talking about the characters there is the religious leaders we haven't left them out we want to get them in there uh, this morning so we're going to talk about we've talked about Barabbas we've talked about Pilate we've talked about all the Marys all the women we've talked about uh, the disciples we've talked about those that Judas and Peter that kind of betrayed him all those kind of things that we've talked about and on and on and Joseph or Arimathea and today we want to talk about the religious leaders and what I'm talking about with religious leaders are those that are members of the Sanhedrin who are Pharisees who do believe there is a resurrection and, and Sadducees that don't and those leaders and priests and high priests of the times and all that. And here's what I've noticed. When I was younger, I used to look at the religious leaders and read a lot of the things in the Bible that people did and think, they're just crazy. Those people are insane. I would never do that. But as I've matured, grown up, become educated, and uh, I guess I will say this too, the more educated and the more degrees that I had, it's like I realized how much more I learned I don't know. Do you follow what I'm saying? So those of you that don't have an education and all, don't be down on yourself about it. You just, there's, it's probably a piece on that, okay? Because you don't learn all this to know, but what about this? And I know as a guy who's written thesis and dissertations, here's what I'm telling you when you're doing the research on it, where do you stop? Because, you know, I think this causes this and this causes this, and you just keep going and going. And you realize how vast God is, how knowledgeable he is. And in my younger years I would think these guys are crazy but as I matured I begin to say honestly sometimes I see myself in these religious leaders what about you why did they reject Jesus and particularly reject him so violently and I think the answer is he didn't fit their mold and all of us no matter where we where we come from and I pray you were blessed to have wonderful godly parents that raised you a certain way and that gives you a great advantage going into this world but I want to caution you if you have a tremendous as I did great I mean I was raised leave it to beaver for Jesus 
My mom dressed up every day like June Cleaver did and cooked four, five course meals and every kid wanted to come to my house and pray. I'm not saying I was beaver, but I'm saying. <laughs> and dad got his briefcase and went off to teach or preach or whatever every day. You know, and they all dressed up. It was wonderful. Here's the negative of that. Sometimes we grow up and we become very faith-based and we say we're not religious, but we come, become religious. And our caution for us is to really ask God to constantly be working in our heart so that we don't become judgmental or even mess up and miss the boat. I'm here to tell you as a regional pastor, a state pastor, I'm aware of a pastor that isn't ending well. Served for 60 something years in the ministry, man, and built a church and did a lot of good. And over the last 10 years, didn't really know when to quit and kind of became judgmental. And, you know, things went bad and the church kind of began to fall apart. I will tell you this I want to end well. I want to end well. What does it profit a man? You gain everything and then in the end you mess it up. And I feel like sometimes we can learn from these guys. We can learn from others. I don't believe God wastes anything in the Bible. Can I have an amen? Not one thing. Stuff that, there's scriptures that you don't even ever want to read. There's scriptures and things that don't really make you comfortable. You know, there's scriptures in there that are wonderful. You know, Psalms 139 is my favorite psalm, and I love it, and it's amazing. Then right at the end, it's kind of got a bang, you know, to it. Uh, but, but what I want to tell you is, I, I think they didn't, Jesus didn't fit, God didn't fit their mold. And I think in our life, we need to question sometimes when we tend to become maybe Pharisaical or Sadduceical. That he didn't fit who they thought God ought to be. It's like we put God in a place. Here's what I want to tell you. You will never be able to understand God. The scripture tells us, I think it's in Ephesians, even if you put all the energy you could into understanding the love of God, Paul says, you never will fully get it. It's that great. God's beyond anything we can imagine. And then there'll be one side that says, well, why don't we study him? Because, man, the more we study him, the more we know him. And then this is really awesome. Where he becomes, where he becomes into our heart. He becomes a part of us. We begin to understand. We begin to understand. Jesus definitely didn't fit their image of being the Messiah they wanted. You ever meet somebody that didn't fit your mold or maybe you meet somebody that isn't what you think or what they look like? I've had the privilege before. Uh, you know, you see somebody on TV or you, you hear, especially seeing them on TV, you think you'd know what they look like. And, you know, hearing them on the radio, you kind of get an image of what they look like, right? Well, I remember the first time I met Kirk Cameron, he's a lot smaller than I thought he was. And I got pictures to prove it with Diana and this girl that was living with us, Kelly at the time. Um, and then music, like Mick Jagger is little bitty bitty, <laughs> you know, and, and John Denver. 
Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of people I met and they just, when they were right there, you just realize. It's funny how, I think maybe Mick Jagger, he's probably about this tall, and, and the cameras come up on him and zoom in or whatever, and he does have a big mouth. But my point is, you know, you just think people are certain ways until you really meet them. And then you think people are certain ways until you really get to know them. Jesus of Nazareth, really, honestly, I have to admit to you, if I was there during that time, living in that time, and the more I've studied it, he wouldn't have fit my mold either. The average believer in God who went to church all the time, I don't think he fit their mold. The non-religious good old boy, he didn't fit their mold. The heathen like Barabbas, he didn't fit his mold. All of them, uh, you know, the atheist, everybody, he didn't fit their mold. They all wanted him to come and overthrow Rome. I mean, you know, overthrow all that, set up his kingdom. They'd studied all this about the power that he had and what he was going to do. And they read it, and I understand where they came from but they read it literally and here's what I'm saying God's kingdom is spiritual it's beyond a little kingdom you build and you might build beautiful buildings and it's gone it's eternal it's forever and this is a real shocker to some of us you're living in the kingdom right now as soon as you accepted Jesus as your personal savior and as you grow in him you're part of the eternal kingdom and to kind of quote Star Wars, the force is with you all the time. The Holy Spirit goes with you all the time. You're a part of the kingdom. That's why I question even today the big, powerful, popular thing is that Jesus is going to come back and maybe, you know, sit on the throne in Jerusalem and actually there will be a kingdom and there will be a battle. And I've looked over the valley of Armageddon. I've seen it. I've seen all those things. And here's what I'm telling you. If he does it, praise the Lord. But it doesn't really tend to fit the mold. It's a spiritual kingdom. And when he comes, I tell you what, we're going to go with him. I hope we go with him. I want to beam me up. Man, that'd be terrible. You beam up and your buddy don't. That might make us think of our buddy right now, or our wife, or our husband. If we're worried about them beaming up when the time comes, maybe you ought to talk to them right now. So they'll join the beam. We got a scripture here, Matthew 21, 12 through 16. Let me look at the outline back there. And, it, and Jesus had just entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We, we've already studied that. He's king. The leaders are, you know, they're scared of his popularity. He just raised Lazarus from the dead up on the hill, a little city overlooking Bethany over Jerusalem. He'd just done that. And then he came to the temple. And when he entered the temple in verse 12, he began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. He said, the scriptures declare... My temple will be called a place of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him, and he healed them there in the temple. The leading priest and the teachers of the religious law, notice this, saw these wonderful miracles. They actually saw them. And heard even the little children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But here's that but... 
But they were indignant and asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. And then Mark chapter 11 verse 18. When the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so enthusiastic about Jesus' teaching. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning with so much on our minds, so many things going on. And I just pray, God, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to take this scripture, this text, these words of this final message of this series. And Lord, it would just become real to us and be what we need. Maybe kind of challenge us, maybe step on our toes a little bit. But God, also encourage us and may, above all, your love flow through. May we be drawn to you. May we be encouraged. And Lord, may we be changed a little bit when we leave this place. And all God's people said, Amen. Perhaps today, you might be a little frustrated with God. He's not doing it the way that you want it. If he, in fact, you, I've heard this many times, if God loves me, why ain't he doing it my way? Mothers, this is for next week. You raise, you, you have a baby, you carry that baby for nine months. In your womb, you love, you know, you love it, you pray for it, you feel it, it, it feels, you feel it, <laughs> you know, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? All this happens, and then you love the baby, it can't do anything but make messes. And you feed it, and you love it, and you love it, and then once it gets to where it speaks, the first words out of its mouth many times are, not really a word, but it's, Da 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 da. <laughs> what? Not ma 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 ma. Da da. By the way, there's a reason for that. It's much easier to say. Okay. And then you raise it. You love it. You pour your life into it. You do all that, and then it goes. One day, that little kid looks up to you, and one of the first real words it says is no. Now that's funny, but every mother ought to understand the heart of God. Because he gives us life, he plans our life out, there's a lot of good he puts in no matter how bad it is, and he pours it in there, and many times, I bet all of us, we turn around and say, no, or later. Right? Well, when God doesn't fit my mold, I better get on the outline. I'm sorry. All right, get your outline out. When God doesn't fit my mold, number one, there's some truths and some tips I'm going to give you. The first truth is, and there's 11 words to fill in if you want to, God doesn't fit our agenda mold. Have you discovered that God's agenda is often different from ours? Example here. The agenda of the priest was... They wanted to have the agenda. 
They wanted to, they had gone so long in reading the word and they had added to the word, they had laws and regulations and all that you can actually get to where the laws and regulations are opposite of what really came to start with. And we can do that in, in the country. We can create more laws and just create laws and laws and laws. And somewhere the laws become the big deal and not the, about the relationship with God that was there. And that's why Jesus came at that time and why he came in that place. And basically they were saying, God, you need to come and get on our agenda. They wanted Jesus to come in riding a white stallion. Like I said, slay the Romans. And of course, put them in charge. You know, it talks about who would sit at the right hand, who would sit at the left hand. They already had it figured out. God didn't come to turn the world upside down, brothers and sisters. He came to change the world from the inside out. That's why I'm telling you, God's not going to do all that stuff. It's about changing hearts from the inside out and it be a natural flow of goodness from God. God doesn't need religious leaders and he doesn't need a, a savior on a stallion. He could say, fix it and it's all done. He could snap his fingers and it's all done. He doesn't even have to snap his fingers. He can think about snapping his fingers. You know what I'm saying? God's all powerful. He could take care of everything. Did their agenda include a humble king riding on a donkey? Or a king on a cross? No way. And I have to admit to you, if I'd been there, it wouldn't have fit my, my agenda mold either. So I want to give you a tip. God cannot be controlled. And I think sometimes in life we try to control him. Here's what God must be. God must be trusted. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. And I'll be mad. I love the next part of that song. To be happy in Jesus. You've got to trust God and you've got to obey him and then peace and joy come. No, I want peace and joy. I'll think about trusting him or obeying him. Trust and obey for there's no other way. God will yield his agenda, but he's not going to yield it to fit what we have. His agenda is set. It's pure. It's amazing. There's a story of a lady named Eleanor who was visiting her mom in British Columbia up in Canada, a beautiful place, and it was the winter. <laughs> she probably was a semi-southern Midwestern gal, and she went up there and it snowed four to five inches and it was extremely cold. She went out to get in her car, put the key in the door, and the key wouldn't turn the door. That's back when they had keys that went in and you turned them. Does anybody have a car that still does that? Could I see three people. We have four. Can I have five? Yes. Okay. You actually stick the key in and you have to turn it and it goes click. And I'm talking manually, not click, 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 and they all pop. Okay. Well, that's, she was trying. Well, so she went back in and got inside to heat her key up. <laughs> Heated the key up to so hot and then stuck it in there. Well, that didn't work. And then she heated up some water and went and threw it on the the deal, you know, the lock and all that, and that didn't work. Well, luckily a neighbor saw that poor southern lady out there working on it, so he came out to help her. 
and said, can I help you? And he said, yes, my keys, my locks are frozen. I can't get the door open. The neighbor smiled real nicely and said, well, that's because it's the wrong car. <laughs> the neighbor uh, had a car real similar, you know, like it. And hers was uh, a little down the, the way there, and that's why it wouldn't work. And I think that's the way it is with God. No matter what you and I try, a lot of times we're putting the wrong key in the wrong car, and it's not going to work. When we get on our knees sometimes and we tell God how to run the universe. God, you need to do this and you need to set that guy straight and definitely fix my husband and fix my wife. Oh my goodness, they're messed up. And that boss, ooh, let's go. we don't have time to pray about the boss. We're putting the key in the wrong car. Isaiah 40, 13, Brooks, right there, 13 and 14, 40, 13. Question for you, who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or counselor? The answer is, no one. Has the Lord ever needed anybody's advice? The answer is, no one. Does he need instruction about what is good and what is best? No, no one, ever. In other words, we need faith, remember? Faith to trust God. Faith. Faith that God's way is best. I have been through terrible things. You've been through terrible things. Sometimes... It's the will of God. Sometimes it's maybe not directly a, a result of God. But here's what I'm saying. In all things, if you trust him, you depend on him, he doesn't mess up. God will not waste a mess up. He will literally use it to strengthen you and be better. And what Satan wants to do is use it to destroy you. And that's why when bad things happen, we need to start being mad at Satan. We say the word of God and then the word D-A. You know what I mean? It ought to be Satan. We ought to be cursing towards Satan. I don't want you cursing anyway. But I'm saying we actually pick the guy that's helping us out, that created us, our mama, if you will, our father, if you will, to curse. Woo, yeah, we, we have some problems. We have some problems. John 6. 14. When the people saw the miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he's a prophet we've been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take him by force and make him king, so he went higher into the hills. That right there tells you Jesus wasn't a politician. Because they were on their own going to put him in charge. He didn't even have to do anything. They were just going to storm it and put him in charge. And in other words, God's agenda isn't our agenda. And I'm going to tell you, it's not political. It's spiritual. It's powerful. Number two, the truth is, God doesn't fit our methodology mold, our methods, our methodology mold. You know, even when our agenda is the same as God and we've yielded to his way, he wants to accomplish his agenda differently than we do. So let's say we get number one straight and we know what God's agenda is. But here's what I'm saying. The method he does it is different. Often it's different. 
Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, as I said. If you want to receive, you give. Now what kind of crazy thing is that? I like getting birthday presents. Well, give. If you want to be exalted, what do you do? I want to be in charge. Bless your heart. Uh, right now, I feel like saying, you don't know what, you want to, what you're asking. <laughs> I mean, I've been leaders over all kinds of things. Oh, Lord, help me. Can't I just be a, <laughs> you know? But you want to be in charge? Humble yourself. Who's the greatest among you? The humble servant leader. Let God rise you up. Look in the Bible, the greatest leaders, the greatest ones that really were used were humble and God used them. The only reason Solomon got his wisdom is because he humbled himself as a young man and God gave it to him. And even he couldn't handle it. We know it as we study the story, even he couldn't handle it. Be careful what you ask for. I always say, Lord, I want to be a millionaire. Well, that's not a lot of money anymore. I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to be. And then the deal is, can you handle it? Be careful. I told you I've had three students all the years I taught that won the lottery. And two of them, it, it, one of them it ruined their marriage. The other messed them up bad. One, as far as I know, I can't say anything happened. You know. If you win, I don't know what the... Powerball lottery, I have no clue, but 40, 50 million dollars, did you know you will have friends you do not even know you had? You'll even have new relatives and lots of cousins. <laughs> and people knocking at the door and salesmen and oh my goodness. This one's tough. If you want to live, you need to die. Now, God doesn't want Christians to die, but what he's saying is, if you really want to live in fullness, die to self. Because self is like that little kid saying no to mom. Self is like the one, I want to run across the street. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But when we die to self and we put God in control, we live. We're set free. I want to tell you, I do all the drugs I want to do, all the alcohol I want to do, I laugh all I want to do. I just don't do drugs and alcohol and I'm, I'm good. I've worked with people that have and I haven't seen anybody, I haven't seen good that come out of all that. Long term, there's no good. But man, when you, when you have joy of the Lord and you have it within you, are you just with other brothers and sisters or somebody and you're laughing? Are you just tell a joke? Y'all know that. I'm always throwing stuff in there to make you laugh. Laughing when you're right with God is awesome. It's awesome. It's pure. It's amazing. That's why there's very few good comedians around. I think IYC is going to get one of the good ones. You know, instead of trying to make stuff crazy and risque, it's just good things about life, you know. Whatever happened to Jerry Clout, uh, whatever his name is. Whatever happened to good old decent, the Lord loves laughter. I, in fact, one of my favorite pictures of Jesus is laughing Jesus. You can Google it sometime if you, ask Rabbi Google. 
Number t- the tip, the tip for you is God wants to change us more than the things around us. So if he doesn't fit our methodology mold, a lot of times it's because he wants to change us more than the things around us. In other words, as we become more like God in our heart, the less there is resistance or questioning of God because we begin to have God's heart. I, I guarantee you there are people that, are, that go to prayer all the time asking God to change their mom, their dad, like I said, their spouse, their family. And here's what I think God says, amen, we need to change your family and it starts with you. Oh no, 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 change them first. Oh, oh no, no, not me, them. Change my wife, she's losing it. Well, let's start with you and she'll lose it less. Like I said, the job earlier. Those people are crazy. You know, yes, they, they may be, but let's, let's talk about your crazy. I'm not crazy. I know they're crazy. You can't be double crazy. Kind of reminds me of the quote in a movie. If God really told us the truth, this is really true. I don't think we can handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. They wanted God to raise up another army, but he founded something that is called the church. And he uses the foolishness carving of preaching. That's God's will. That's what he wanted us to do. Take the word, try to apply it to life and expand it and study and let the spirit speak to us. He, he built the church and he created something that I think is phenomenal. And I do think this is phenomenal. Not just the church, like the church building, the church structure, and not just preaching, but the family of God. Now I want you to look around just a minute. Look at somebody you hadn't looked at. They're precious. They're amazing. God loves them and created them, and they're there for you, and you're there for them. And you don't need, and you can be from South Carolina. We even love people from South Carolina, from North Dakota, wherever, wherever the fa- I can travel anywhere, and the family of God's the family of God. And it doesn't matter if they're Church of God, Church of Baptist, Church of Water, Church of the Mountain, Church of the Valley. It doesn't matter if God truly is their Lord. Notice the scripture there, Romans 11. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods. You getting the theme? Luke 22. Jesus told them, in this world the kings and great men order their people around and yet they're called the friends of the people. Now I haven't heard that one in a while by the way. But among you, those who are greatest should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Wow. Anybody here want to argue that you're the greatest in the kingdom? Don't do that. Don't pray for patience and don't pray to be the greatest in the kingdom. Uh Uh-uh. That's the free advice. Number three, truth. The truth is God doesn't fit our values mold generally. Generally, he doesn't fit our values mold. What I mean is what's important to us, what we spend our time and our money on, is not important to God. The religious leaders 
They were interested in having a religion, a church hierarchy, and all this organization and thought that was important to God. Now don't get me wrong, God doesn't want chaos, look at the world, everything is in order, but it's a natural order, it's not a man-made kind of thing. Here's what's important to God, change lives from the inside out. Changed lives are important to God. So the tip is, God measures with an eternal standard, not a physical standard, not one like we have, but with an eternal standard. I uh, flew back, Dana and I flew back in a few years ago, and, and a great saint lady in my church was ill, and that's back when you could go to the hospital and visit people, and, and I, I went up there and and was visiting this lady and her husband was there and he was telling me he had just been somewhere where there was an antique road show and he happened to be there when they were filming it and all that and I, I think I've seen the episodes but they find things and tell you what they're worth and he said that this guy brought in a, an old blanket, an Indian blanket and he had been given to him by his grandfather and he had it up in the attic covering a chair and um, Somebody told him, you know, he needed to just have it appraised and probably wanted to be on TV, you know. How many of you want to be on TV? Not me. No, 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 you can have it. <laughs> Ask Phil Robertson if being on TV is all that great. <laughs> so he took it in there, and the expert said it was an original Navajo blanket from way back there, made back before, you know, manufacturing and all that and said that it's worth at a minimum from 300000 to a maximum of 500000 more than his house. In other words, it was sitting up there covering a chair in the attic that it's worth more than his house. And I think that's the state of the human condition. Every day, we walk right past the eternal, priceless jewels of heaven. That's another person. Like I told you last week, at the line in Walmart with the front, front line defender trying to cash you out, that person is worth more than the Navajo blanket. Whoa, that's a different perspective. The waitress that waits, you, waits on your table and doesn't do a very good job, she's still more priceless than the Navajo blanket. You follow what I'm saying? Our little children back there, everyone, people that we tend to, we get so messed up. Think about who we praise. Rock stars, football players, basketball players. I mean, all this we make a big deal. And Hollywood people, bless their hearts. They don't stand a chance to have a good marriage. This big trial that's going on. And the only reason I know it is because my phone keeps dinging with a Johnny Depp did this and so-and-so did this. And, you know, it keeps coming through. I mean, that's, that, they can have it. They can have it. What I'm saying is what we think is important is not always what God thinks is important. God's looking at an eternal perspective and people's souls are eternal. They're powerful. Religious people were happy with the setup. The money was rolling in. The power was rolling in. All that was going on. It was all good. And then Jesus comes and changes everything. 
And you know, a lot of it you don't realize. They were cheating the people. They were charging the people. They had a temple tax. They were doing all these things. And also they handpicked who they bought animals from. And then based on your sin, you had to get certain animals. It was corrupt. It was a mess. And here's what God's saying. Nothing's more important than the souls of man. On the scripture, I've got Matthew 16, 26. And how do you benefit it if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? And here's his question. Is there anything worth more than your soul? The answer is no. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so they could touch him and he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Now these are his disciples. They're good people. I probably would have said the same thing. Oh no, this is the Messiah. Don't, don't have the kids coming in there. I love this though. Then Jesus called for the children and, and to the disciples, let the children come. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God is like them. Cypress Street family, nothing, 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 nothing is more important than the little children, and the world doesn't think a lot of them. The widows, the world doesn't think a lot of them. The people that the world doesn't think a lot of them, that's important. I told you to look around earlier, the people you looked at, they're important. They're $500,000 plus blankets, you know what I'm saying? They're million dollar blankets to Jesus and to God. Finally, the fourth truth is, God doesn't fit our religious mold. God doesn't fit our religious mold. The religious leaders were so into their knowledge, credentials, you know, seniority and all this stuff and how they were impressed with each other. But Jesus knew more than all of them and he didn't care about their degrees, their pomps and circumstance, their high and mighty attitude. And this is something we've got to be careful of. The more we learn about God, the more we know, the more we think we know, the more we need to realize we might need to be careful and we don't know. So our tip is Jesus was, is moved by our devoted hearts, not by religious deeds. So I could literally go about doing certain religious deeds, but if my heart's not in it, and my heart's not what God wants me to be, there's not going to be joy in it, right? In other words, I'm going to get real personable. How many of you this morning on a cloudy day when you got up went, boy, I get to go to church today. I get to get dressed. I get to go to church today and see my church family and get a hug. I'm not going to open the altar because we don't have enough room. It's like the guy that wouldn't get out of bed. He wouldn't get out of bed and... His mom kept coming, you got to get up, it's time. Alexa said, yank, 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 time to get up. Snooze, Alexa. Finally she came in, you got to go, why? I said, because you're the pastor. <laughs> I know some pastors and preachers that don't seem to love to go to church. All I'm saying, I understand the work involved, I understand the responsibility, but all I'm saying is, God's interested in our hearts and there's not one of us anywhere, no matter who we are, that we don't need to occasionally ask God, Lord, create in me a clean heart, God. Create in me a heart after you. I want to be like David, 
Do you not? Is there anybody here that doesn't want to be like David and have a heart after God? A man or woman with God's own heart? Wow, you will not mess up if you have God's heart. But you can mess up if you've got God's intellectual brain analyzing everything because you're finite. You can't get there. But if you have God's heart, you're going to go places. Can you, can't you see the religious leaders thinking Jesus will want to be excited to meet with them and be with them as religious leaders? I think if I remember right, when he was a child and he got left behind, he was with them. Boy, they were impressed when he was a child and they was, he was teaching them. But later when he got power or potential to have power and uh-oh, he might be moving in where we are. We don't like it. Whoa, this has got personal. And that's how it is with us. A lot of us in our faith, and me included in our faith, we're okay with God when he's out there. But when he starts working on me a little bit, whoa, I don't know about that. Oh, my life and telling me what I'm doing is not right. Things are a little different. God is indeed impressed by a humble, devoted heart. Isaiah 23, 13, and so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. Now, I'm not criticizing any particular group. But I am saying that this scripture and many others tell us if we're just doing it going through the motions I think you can do certain things that certain groups teach if you really devoted yourself but you got to be careful that the rote or whatever you're doing doesn't become the deal and it's not really putting the praise, the worship the adoration to God himself we now have a high priest in heaven and we can go straight to glory. Amen? And the people that don't think they can, can too. Coming to church doesn't impress God. I'm telling you. So what does? A sincere, humble heart that when they come, they love being here and they want to hear from God. And when they sing a song, they want to raise their hands. They want to praise him. I don't care if you raise or do your... I'm just saying genuinely praise him. Genuinely praise him. There was a missionary in Paraguay. And one day a man named Raphael came to his door and the missionary asked him what I can do for him. Raphael responded in his native language... And uh, wasn't really sure what it meant. Something like, I don't want anything, but I've come to draw near. He wasn't real sure. He wasn't sure he got that. So the missionary asked him again to repeat it. And he this time made it really clear that he said, I don't want anything. I just came to draw near. He then sat by the door with a big smile on his face for the whole day. Well, later talking to a veteran missionary, the veteran missionary told him, you don't understand what an honor Raphael paid to you. What he was saying to you is that you had touched his life so much, he didn't want anything from you, he just wanted to be close to you. So this is where we're going to close.
I believe God's telling us today right now, I don't really want anything from you. I want to spend some time with you. So here's where it gets. What time of the day is best for you to spend time with God? There's morning people here, there's night people here, and there may be a few people that have a peak or two in the middle of the day. Boom, I have about a noon peak, you know, I don't know. God wants to spend time with you. What, what day of the week is the best time to set aside 10, 20, 30 minutes and spend time with God? God wants to spend time with us. And it's not that he's wanting anything from us. He just wants to love on us. He wants to commune with us. And I'm telling you, if you be quiet and ask God to speak to you, it's amazing what you will hear. It won't be like coming through your ears. It'll sort of be coming through here and through here. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God wants to spend time with us. So I have at the bottom, I think, something about that on your outline. Schedule time to be alone and listen to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Young person, our young people, one reason I really push IYC and us praying for them. This world is in a mess. And these young people, yeah, y'all are young. And you're young, okay? They're not, they're not not important to God. They're our hope. They're our future. They're important. And all I'm here to tell you is I pray the best preachers are yet to come that blow Carvin and I off the water. They're so even more godly. I pray there are musicians that write songs that are more godly, more powerful. I pray there are more dedicated people in the church. I'd love for have a young person being the chairman. You know what I'm saying? Be leading the worship, doing, you know, they might be different, but their heart is so full of love for God. I think that's the heart of God. God is love and that's what we need. So everything we do, let's pray for that. And everything we do, let's encourage people. Let's don't discourage people. And if they come in and they look a little different, praise the Lord, different might be better. If you don't believe that, you need to go back and wear 1800s clothes and drive your horse and buggy here. And then I'd say, okay, different's not good. For you, and we'll have a special church just for you. And we'll sing Bringing in the She's, okay, just for you. In other words, world's changing, things changing, but remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. Ray Owens, I'm talking to myself, remember this. God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart and he loves us. Let's pray. Father, right now in each of our lives, we have a lot going on and we're so busy and we have so many priorities and what you're wanting to do right now is spend time with us and be close to us. God, you're wanting to spend time with us so as we pray to you, it's not so much about what we get our wish list, it's about you changing our hearts, God. Oh God, change our hearts. Make every person in this room's heart become more what you want them to be.
Oh God, our heart needs to be reconditioned. We might need some arteries opened up. I don't know, but God, may our heart become more and more like you. So that there is no problem of not fitting your mold. Our heart will be your heart and our agenda will be your agenda. Our methods will be your methods. God, because it all starts with our heart. God, can we question ourselves and make sure our heart's right? So right now, God, we commit to you. And as we sing, we commit to you. To take our heart and mold it and make it to be Jesus what you want it to be. And all God's people said, Amen. Stand with me. for that. Thank you so much. I challenge us to go out today and open your hearts and have our hearts be like God. Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for what we heard from you today through Pastor Ray. Please help us to be like you. Please help us to spend time with you. We know that you're with us all the time and help us to realize that and turn to you and love you like you love us. Thank you for everything we have and everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.